Welcome back to Defeat the Darkness. This is Vivian L. Miller. I'm here with T.J. Jones, and we are going to continue talking about the enemies of faith. How are you doing, Cheryl? I'm doing great. You're doing awesome. How Praise are you? Lord. <clears throat> Blessed, abundantly, highly favored, deeply loved of the Lord. Yeah. I love it when victory occurs. Mm-hmm. So... So last week we talked about mental ascent, very dangerous thing to do, very dangerous. We're going to talk about something we've talked about before, but we are really going to hammer in or hone in on this because this is a societal badge of honor now over the last few years, but over the last couple of decades, actually, but it's gotten more intense over the last few years. Can you guess what that badge of honor is that is an enemy of faith? Uh, fear? <laughs> mm, no. Anxiety? No. It's a badge of honor. Oh. Oh. Offense. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have offended me. You don't know how <laughs> offensive that is to me. Right. I'm so tired of hearing that. Yeah, because it is a choice. Mm -hmm. And frankly, if it offends you that I say something that offends you, then don't listen. (laughs) Go away. (laughs) Because I'm not going to alter what I say or how I say it because it offends you or it might offend somebody. Right. I am so over that. Mm -hmm. But it is the, the enemy has cultivated that with people. Because people feel that they have a right to tell you just how offended they are. Yeah. And every time someone does that to someone else, they are letting the devil know, yeah, I'm falling for this. In the Greek, the the word offense or offended means to stumble. Okay. And I'm going to step at, at 2 Corinthians 4 and four again because I know the Lord wants to say something else about that. I'm not sure exactly what yet but okay let's, let's start there. Can you read um, 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4 in yours first please? Sure. It says if the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the god of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Not bad. That's not bad. Not bad. Um, I'm going to read it out of the Amplified Classic. Oh, okay. But even if our gospel, the glad tidings, also be hidden, obscured, and covered up with a veil that hinders the knowledge of God, it is hidden only to those who are perishing and obscured only to those who are spiritually dying and veiled only to those who are lost. For the God of this world has blinded the believers, the unbelievers' mind that they should not discern the truth, preventing them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel or the good news of the glory of the anointed one, or Christ, the Messiah, who is the image and likeness of God. Now, I've been 
God's been really that you know how sometimes the Lord will keep bringing scriptures up in your in your spirit over and over and over again. Right. Yeah. And so, although I'm not you know specifically sitting down to meditate this scripture, I have been giving it a lot of thought lately. Mm-hmm. And what occurred to me the other day was there are a lot of people in the body of Christ who are playing at it. Uh huh. And although officially they are not unbelievers, they're walking in a lot of doubt and unbelief. Right. And it is the enemy who keeps them in that doubt and unbelief. And that uh, unbelief. Absolutely, that's true. Whether, whether it be through the church doctrine that they have learned or pastors they've, they've had that would not let them grow. And uh-huh. Because oh, there's a lot of pastors out there that have allowed themselves to get jealous or envious of people in their own congregation who are excelling in certain things of God and it bothers the pastor and they squelch it. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that happen. So have I, I've been one of those that have been that the enemy tried to squelch through pastors more than once. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. the thing of the, the thing of it is, is that there is no room for jealousy or envy, either one in the body of Christ, because we're all called differently. We have all been gifted differently. Yeah. And that's like trying to tell your little toe that it doesn't have as much importance as your little finger. <laughs> They're two different things. They have different functions. And they're both very important in their own way. Uh-huh. And those type of things, because there are believers who really don't, aren't believing, the enemy can get in there and obscure their, their ability to receive revelation knowledge. I can, I can see that, yeah. And it's really important, especially in the times that we're in, that all of us are able to receive revelation knowledge because the things we're dealing with are spiritual and they cannot be fixed any other way. I agree. Man makes all these plans and, you know, you hear some people, I'm not, I'm not um, trying to criticize because that's not my intent, but there are people who will say things like, we're all watching a movie. I wish this movie would be over. Yeah. And other people saying there's nothing going on that's never going to change. Both are wrong. Because it's a spiritual battle and God is working behind the scenes. Uh-huh. And he's using men and women. Some of them are, are no God. And I think there are some that, are, that God is using that don't even know him. But God is using them to turn this around. True. And this is being turned around, whether the devil likes it or not. I agree. It's 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 just it's a bit of a it's it imminent. seems like it's a slow process. It's imminent, yeah. And we're all we're all there's a lot of us are sitting around thinking, gosh, this is this is so slow, this should have been done already. And that's true. Had the church done what it was supposed to have done years ago, we would have we'd been through this already. But, you know, right now what we're going through is um kind of a well, it's, it's a painful process. It's an uncomfortable process. Yeah, it is. And growth always is. Yeah. If you fight it. If right. you don't fight it, it's not, it's not, it's not 
painful, but if you fight your growth, it's very painful. It can be. You know, I, I, it can be. I've been there. I've done that before. He's like, I don't want to do this, Lord. Yeah, you know? I know. Me too. Me too. Not so, that long ago. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, but so I know there are times when, you know, God is constantly trying to get us to the next level. And there are times when we just flat out, none of us want to go there. Yeah. But the, but the thing of it is, is offense is a huge weapon that the enemy uses. And he has gotten people to the mindset that not only is it okay to be offended, but it, it's a badge of honor. Yeah. If I can be more offended than somebody else, that makes me special. No, it makes me stupid. Especially <laughs> with what I know, it makes me yeah. stupid. So I learned this a long time ago, and I've been practicing this for some time, years. And for me yeah. to go turn around and go now, oh, that offends me, and turn around like that, that's, that's not helpful. It's going backwards. Right. Go to Mark 4. Okay. I start at verse 13. I'm going to read it mine first, and then I'm going to have you read it. Okay. Please. And he said unto them, know you not this parable? How then shall you know all parables? So what he's saying is, this is a key parable. There is key revelation in this parable. If you don't get this one, you don't get any of them. That's what he's saying. Right. So it must be important because I don't remember Jesus ever saying that about something else that he taught. Correct me if I'm wrong. I might be wrong, but I don't think so. Mm, I don't think so. Verse 14. And if, he, if somebody out there does find another place besides when he's talking about this, let me know because I really don't think he has. Verse 14. The sower sows the word. Who is the sower? We are. Whoever, yeah, whoever wants to sow that word. Right. Because not everybody does want to sow it. Some people want to sit under rusty dusties and wait for God to do everything. God's just waiting on God. I'm just believing God. It sounds real religious, sounds real pious, but it doesn't do anything. Right. And in the meantime, Verse, God's waiting on you. Right. And in the meantime, the devil's beating you over the head and trying to convince you that it's God doing it. Um, right. Verse 15, and these are they that by the wayside where the word is sown, and when they when they have heard, not before, when they have heard, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their heart. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard, they receive the word with gladness. They heard the word, immediately they receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure before time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, not because the devil hates Sally Sue, immediately they are offended. I've been hearing certain people in the body teach and talk about the trees that are in our spirits and how God wants us to get rid of those trees that are standing in the way of our growth. And I had I filmed my my YouTube channel this morning. And I said, tell me, which is, I don't do dirt. I'm not a gardening person. So, you know, I, because of that, I don't know anything or very little about gardening. But I do know this. Which is easier, 
to uproot a hundred-year-old redwood tree or a seed you planted 10 minutes ago? A seed you planted 10 minutes ago. And that's why the enemy comes immediately. If he waits for it to produce a tree in your spirit, he's not going to be able to get rid of it. Right. And the person that I've been hearing preach about trees in our spirits using Matthew 15, 13, but saying trees instead of plant. It's, it's been rubbing against my spirit. It's been going, I've been hearing it for about two months now, and it's rubbing against my spirit every time I hear it. Because it does not say every tree that, you're plant, that you, has not been planted, God has not planted, he will uproot. It doesn't say that. This is every plant. Right. The time to get rid of the garbage is when it's a plant. The time to, get, to keep the seed in is when it's new. Let yeah. it grow. Let it build in your spirit. And a fence knocks it right out. The example I gave in my, and I'm giving you two weeks ahead of time, giving you what the, what the YouTube channel is going to teach. The example I gave was you, you have a bathtub filled with water. As long as you don't pull that plug, the water stays in the tub, correct? Yes. If you pull the plug, how fast does the water go out? Pretty quickly. Days, weeks? Yeah, not days, weeks, months, years. No, it goes in, in very quickly. Within a couple of minutes, depending on how good the drain is, yeah. all that water's gone. Mm -hmm. That's what a fence does when you've been, you've been built up in your spirit. Yeah. Sally Sue goes in her bedroom and she starts meditating the word. She's got a situation. She starts meditating. The Lord showed her what scripture to meditate to get, to get revelation, to get it down in her heart so that she gets a manifestation. Let's say it's heal, a healing thing. So she goes and meditates with the healing scripture she's been given by the Lord. She's, she spent some time doing that. And she comes out of her bedroom and somebody in her household says, what have you been doing? You've been, you know I needed help in the kitchen and you've been in the bedroom for the last hour. What have you been doing? And she gets offended. What happened to all that time she spent meditating? It makes no difference. It's gone. Right. Right. But Sally Sue has a choice. In that moment, her flesh rises up and she wants to talk back. But then she'd be not only in, in offense, but she'd be in strife. And so then the devil would not only empty out the, the reservoir of faith that she has built up for her healing, but he would also be able to then entangle himself in every one of her affairs. Right. Or she could say out loud, I refuse to be offended. I forgive Mickey Mouse for, for coming down on me for not helping in the kitchen. And, I walk, uh -huh. and I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to walk in faith. Yeah. Okay. By making that choice, she's allowing that seed to grow. Yeah. Because when it really boils, what it really boils down to in any situation like that, does it matter if you're right? Mm -hmm. Not really. Opinions are like noses. Everyone has one. Does it matter if you're right? <laughs> no. No. And for a lot of things, especially in this world today, 
the opinion that is held very high esteem one one day, in a few months or a year down the road, it'll be it'll be completely disregarded. Yeah. So what difference does it make? None at all. None. It absolutely does not make a difference. And there's no point, and it's not worth it. I don't know about you, but for me, it is not worth it to me to lose the time I've spent meditating that word. It is not worth it to me. Yeah. It's too expensive. Right. Growing up, I had a family that was not, they were not faith family, a faith family. And I heard all the time, money doesn't grow on trees. You, you know, you can't, I can't, uh, you can't expect us to pay for this because money doesn't grow on trees. I can't afford. It was, I can't afford. I can't afford. I heard it all the time in my family. When I first started learning this stuff 20 plus years ago, I would say, because I had been learning it, but not, I did, wasn't, you know, anywhere where I am now. I, I had a new can't afford list. Because I grew up with can't afford the new car, can't afford the new house, can't afford the, the formal gown, can't afford the fancy shoes. That was the can't afford. My new can't afford list at that, you know, 20 years ago became, I can't afford strife. I can't afford offense. I can't afford bitterness. I can't afford unforgiveness. Amen. Because those things, although intangible, will change your life. Yeah. That they sure will, not in a good way either. Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. Those exact same words, not in a good way either. Yeah. And too many people have been, are used to, because we have such a make me feel good, pet me, you know, um, what's the word of affirm, affirm my truth, you know, kind of generation. People are not used to making it, making it hard on themselves to, 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 for a better outcome. They're not used to sewing into their present for their future. That's true. They're not. And it's, it, we're kind of in, in an instant gratification society. Kind of. Kind of. Oh, well, not, there we are. <laughs> it's yeah. instant gratification. You know, it's, yeah, I want it now. And, when we don't get and it, when you said it. now, and when you yeah. said now, just now, it didn't manifest. So now I'm really upset. <laughs> right. It's been five seconds since she said now, and it still hasn't happened. Right. That's the that's the the mindset, and the and that's why people are failing. Yeah. I because the focus has been all about me. Yeah. You know, they said that the, the me generation started back in the 80s. I think you know, it started sooner, earlier than that, really. It probably did, but I think that, you know, when you look back on the 80s, because that's, that's the, the, the decade that I was, you know, in my formative years, the teen years and things like that. Um, you look back and you can kind of start seeing that, you know, with the rise of... of uh, <clears throat> What, what, how would you say that? Um, the, the yuppies. Mm -hmm. I think that's what we called them back then, the yuppies. 
You, yeah, there were, I lived in California at that point, and yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yuppies so, all around. It was yuppies everywhere, you know, California, New York, you know, there's just every major city in America, all all vying for the almighty dollar and, and you know, um, becoming wealthy. And it was all about, it was that, it was that generation that it was, became really noticeable to me. It was all about me and what I can get for me and what I can do for me. Mm -hmm. And we have taken a turn for the worse in that because now we're dealing with generations of, you know, entitlement where I deserve that even though I've done nothing to earn it, but I still deserve it, mm -hmm. you know? And you can fill in the blank as to why they think they deserve it because there's yeah. multiple whys. Right. And that's why we that's why offense is such a big thing, because when we don't get what we think we deserve, you know, if, when we see other people, what we not me personally, because I don't do the whole offense thing. But, you know, um, you perceive someone perceives that someone else got something they didn't deserve. Yeah. And that's that's offensive and and everything is just offensive to everyone for whatever reason. You don't really even have to have a reason anymore. That's the thing. You don't have to have a reason to be offended. You you just are. You just live in, in offense. Mm -hmm. And it's everywhere. And it's to me, it's just like, oh, Lord, just Jesus, please come. <laughs> please come, you know, but. It's it's yeah, I, getting to the point I where it's just absolutely intolerable. I had someone tell me a story earlier this week, and I won't get into a lot of detail because it, it's private. But someone I know had had a situation. They knew someone who worked at a had works at a certain place, and the mailman had come in to that place and made a just a passing comment. He was joking, and the people that were in that room. Two of them were the, were in their twenties. That that whole entitlement generation, and they tried to go to the postmaster. They wanted the the owner of the bill of the business to go to the postmaster and get the the postman fired. Oh Lord! And they made such a stink and created such an upheaval that the owner let them go. My goodness, they deserved it then. I mean, but the thing, and you know, they were all wanting for the owner to call the postmaster and and get that that man fired. And he he said it as a joke, and then realized it didn't go over well. And went, I apologize. I probably shouldn't have said that. He apologized right there and then, without anybody asking him to. Yeah, and they still wanted to get him fired. And then a couple of days later, somebody who was say that again. The cancel culture, you know, if you don't yeah, like what somebody offends you, we're just going to cancel them. We're going to we're going to take your job. We're going to take your life. Eradicate them. Right. We're going to eradicate you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then a couple of days say. later, somebody that that was off that day that had the day off when that happened heard about it and made a big stink about that was that was working in a, in a environment where they allow that kind of thing. I don't know. I'm so offended. I don't think I can show up for work yeah and the owner said well then don't don't right. show up for work go find another job i mean they weren't even there they don't even know what happened 
Right. That's why I said they don't need a reason to be offended anymore. They just mm -hmm. because they think that if 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 they the people of that mindset think if if I say I'm offended, then you're going to back down and let me have what I want or do what I want or act the way I want. I learned a long time ago I can't make anybody act any other way but the way they act. The only one I can affect is me. Yeah. And I can change my response to how they act. Or I can choose yeah. to, to act a different way than they do. But I have no ability to make them do a different thing. Right. I mean, that, that's, this is a stupid example, but this is an example, okay? So I call you up and I say to you, Cheryl, today you're going to wear pink. Okay. No, you're going to wear pink. Did I ask you if you have pink? Did I ask you if you like pink? Did I ask you if pink looks well on you? No. No, I just determined you're going to wear pink. Oh, you're not? Oh, then that offends me. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> Don't you have a say? It's you that wears the clothes. Regardless of yeah. what they are, you're the one that chooses them. Right. What right do I have to come in and say, Cheryl, you're going to wear pink? And you're going to send me a photo timestamp to show me that you followed through with what I said. I know you, you love me, but you probably need to go take a flying leap. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, what is that? I now it'd be different I... if you said, if you said, if you called me and said, or text me and said, I got this appointment today and I don't know if I want to wear the blue outfit or the pink outfit. And here's, here's pictures of both. What do you think? Which one do you think is better for this thing I'm, do, I'm doing today? That'd be different. Then I can make it, then I can make it an opinion. Yeah. And for all I know, I might choose the blue one, but you know, that's where you, I've been asked for an opinion. <laughs> that's different yeah. than just telling you you're going to do it this way without you asking for my input. That's right. <laughs> People don't need my input. And I learned a lot because I, I've always been very blunt. The Lord tempered that. So mm -hmm. I used to be years ago, the people would say to me, do you like my outfit? I'd say, no, it's ugly. And the Lord said, don't do that. You're hurting people's feelings. They like it or they wouldn't wear it. So yeah. what I learned to say, and I learned this long time ago, when I first started walking with the Lord, he taught me, it, you know, I don't have to give my true opinion, and I don't have to lie either and say I like it, even if I don't, because a lot of people do that to, to, to you know, protect someone's feelings. He said, he said, this is what you do. So if people ask me, somebody says, do you like my outfit? I'll say, well, do you like it? If I don't like it, I'll tell, if I like it, I'll tell them, yes, I like it. If I don't like it, I'll say, do you like it? And of course they do because they bought it and they're wearing it. Then that's all that matters. What I think doesn't matter. If you're happy wearing it, wear it. That's the truth. Yeah. And it's also in love. Right. Because they don't need my opinion. Nobody yes, asked me. But that's what people have gotten because of this cancel culture and this, you know, being offended about everything. They think that they have the right to just determine what somebody else thinks and speaks and 
acts and does. Well, and... They, they think that people want to know what their opinions are. Apparently. You know, I'm going to, you're going to do this and I'm going to, I'm going to give you my opinion on it, even though you didn't ask for it. And I think that you need and my opinion. And you're going to follow what I tell you. Yeah. Because I gave my opinion. Right. So now there's no question about what I want. Mm-hmm. Who, who, who should do that? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. But the enemy has deceived people to believe that that's okay. And he yeah. loves it because then they, ha- they walk around, they think, okay, I've spent, an, I've spent an hour in prayer today and I spent 45 minutes meditating the word. I'm good to go. And five minutes afterwards, they get offended. Right. All gone. Yep. You wasted your time. You might as well have been sitting there going twinkle, twinkle, little star for all the good it did. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. And I've said this many times, but it's the truth. I'm all about results. That's the thing that bothered me so much when I first got born again was trying to follow what was being taught in church and looking around me and not seeing anybody getting results from what they were taught. Right. I'm not necessarily blaming the pastor. It could have been the way that I interpreted it that I wasn't getting results. But nobody was getting results. Well, that that's a that's an issue then. You know, if nobody's getting results. I mean, uh-huh. Then there's a a gap somewhere. Yeah, exactly. There's a gap somewhere. And where does I think it kind of does lead to the pastor, you know, if he is responsible for feeding the sheep and for leading, you know, an entire congregation of people, then if he's not teaching things that they really need to know, you know, and people aren't getting results because they don't know, they don't know. And I've, I, I say this to my son all the time. You know, he comes to me about certain issues and he's like, well, what do I do here? And he feels bad for not knowing. And I say, I tell him, Melissa, I tell him, I said, son, you don't know what you don't know. And you don't know that you don't know it until you come to, upon that situation and figure out that you don't know it. Right. And I know that's a mouthful right there, but, but then it's my it's job. The truth. It is the truth. But it, then it's my job to kind of help him learn it and figure it out. So that the next time he comes upon that situation, he will have the knowledge to know how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Or at least know how to approach it. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that we had a conversation. And it was a realization to understand you don't have to struggle with things when you don't know. You can go to the Lord and say, okay, I need to know what you would have me do in this situation. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. Absolutely. And he's never beat any of us over the head saying, you should, you should have known this by now, Vivian. You've been through this two or three times. Mm-hmm. You should never know been. by now. I'm not going to tell you because I've already told you three times before over the last however many decades somebody's been alive. Me, it's only been two, two decades in one year. But for some people, they've been alive longer than that. But I've already told you multiple times. So I'm not going to tell you this time. Figure it out. He's never done that. Right. And just because it's the same situation you felt you dealt with maybe three times before, 
doesn't mean the answer for this time is the same as the other three times. Right. Because sometimes the anointing on it will work differently. Yeah. And he will say, I know last time I told you to do this, but this time do this. And that I don't remember exactly where it is. You Maybe you can remember what chapter is in, but we talked about David and Ziglag, and the first time the Lord said, go in, go after them, and I will, you will overtake all. And the second time, he said, what do I do? And the Lord says, let me handle it. Yeah. So it wasn't always the same. But if we're willing and obedient, we eat the good of the land. Right. I've been, there have been times in my life when I'm obedient, but I'm not willing. Well, I think it's the opposite for me. I've been willing, but not obedient. <laughs> but I mean, and the thing of it is you have to be both. You have and to be both. Right. And I've learned when I'm, when I'm, uh, you know, if I'm not willing, then I have to, I've learned to say, Lord, you know, I'm not willing, but I'm willing to be willing. Yeah. I'm willing, if you will help me, I will be, be, I'm willing to be willing and then you can help me be willing and then I'll be, and I'll be obedient and I'll leave the good of the land. Amen. The whole, the more I study this, Cheryl, and this has been, you know, several decades now walking with the Lord. Mm -hmm. But what I'm realizing lately, more than ever, is that Every, almost every single thing that I know about the word of God, there's a spiritual law attached to it. Right. And when I understand how that spiritual law, how it reads and follow it the way it reads, it always comes out with the same result, which is victory. Every yeah. single time. It's not a, it's not a you know, trial by area, error kind of thing. Just do it. Exactly the way it reads. Yeah. I agree. Amen. And somehow I think it's because it is that simple that people try to complicate it. It can't it can't possibly be that simple. Well, I think that's the big thing for a lot of people, because I know it was for me for a long time. It's you know, when you you and I have been years about certain things and you've kind of given me direction when I wasn't sure how to, how to do, do this or do that, you know, and you would just give me a simple, you know, here's your scripture or here's, here's this, this is how I would handle it. And I would sit there and think that it can't be that simple, you know, it just can't be because we think sometimes that it, it's a process and even though it is a process, it's not a difficult process. It is so simple that, like you said, we complicate it in our minds and we think mm -hmm. it can't be that simple. It just can't. Because we think of God as this complicated um, entity, this complicated deity, and he's not. He's, he's, he's a father, mm -hmm. you know, and he wants to give good things to his children and he wants to be you know, the person that you come to in every situation. 
but we make it that we make it so hard on ourselves because we think there's more to it than just this. There's more to and it I than think, just quoting the word, you know. And there's I think more to part it than, of it, than this. No, go ahead. Oh, that's that's basically it. You know, just saying. You know, we make it more difficult than what it is. And I think part of that is because we were both of us were trained up in the world, not the word. The only difference between those two words is one has an L and one doesn't. Yeah. We are trained up in the world. And in the world, everything's trial by error. Everything's a process. Everything's step one, step two, step three, step 20 to get there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's figure it out on your own, basically. Right. Right. And have people giving you bad advice along the way because it's taking so long. Uh-huh. which ends up sometimes making it completely impossible to get accomplished, whatever it is. So we're trained up that way. And then we find the word and we find out that all we have to do is exactly what he says and it works. Right. And it, our minds go, but, 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 I just spent 20 years trying to get this to work the right way. And, and you're saying, just do this. Right. How can that be? Yeah. And then because you're completely over trying to figure out another way to do it that hasn't worked because you've tried for 20 years, you finally decide, or I finally decide because I've done it too. Okay, I'm just going to do what you said, Lord. So you do it and it's fixed in, in two days. Right. And you're like, what the heck? All right. Why did I waste 20 <laughs> years trying to get this? Because we were taught that way. Yeah. We were taught to do it that way. And critical thinking for a lot of it, or analytical thinking for a lot of it, is very negative. Right. Because it's got the world attitudes mixed in. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end of that way is death. Uh-huh. Isn't that what it says in Proverbs? Yep. And that's what the thing we—that's what where we why we are where we are in this country. There is a way that seems right to the man, but the end of the way that way is death. That's right. Because we've been following the wrong way all this time. Wow. It really isn't that difficult, is it? No, it's not. And I was talking to someone in my family earlier today, this morning. And I said, if I could have it any way I wanted, if I, if I could make it go the way I wanted, people would hear, what I, would hear what I've learned and they would follow it and they would start having victory after victory after victory after victory and never let the devil take advantage of them again. Right. I can't make that happen. Only God can. But if I could do it myself, that's what I would want. I don't do this to, to toot my own horn and make myself look like, you know, I'm this fancy pants. I do this because I don't want anybody else to be defeated like I was for years and years and years and years because I didn't know. Right. 
and goes through so much pain and heartache and financial, you know, upheaval and disasters and calamity and all kinds of stuff because I didn't know. Yeah. That's right. But I can't make anybody do that. Nope. So for those who thought we we wandered, we didn't. <laughs> when when the spirit of offense, and it is the spirit, just like fear is the spirit. Anything that isn't love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, those are the fruit of the spirit. Anything that is not that is of the devil. It's not of God. Yeah. And when offense tries to rise up because Sally Sue says something that hurts your feelings, instead of retaliating out of your mouth to come, I refuse to be offended. I forgive Sally Sue. If you've, if you've started to allow that offense, Lord, I repent of allowing offense. I will walk in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I yield to the fruit of the Spirit. Offense, leave in the name of Jesus and don't come back. For greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. For no weapon formed against me prospers. Whatever scripture the Lord gives you, but give a scripture because that's your sword slicing the devil up one side and down the other. Right. And then stay on guard. Don't relax and put your Bible away and say, okay, that's finished. No, stay on guard and watch for the next opportunity for offense because believe me, it's coming. Absolutely, it is. It may not come in the next five minutes. It may not come in the next hour. It may not even come in the same day, but it's coming. Mm -hmm. So keep your, keep your attention. Be sober, be vigilant, is what First Peter 5 says. Yeah. And pay attention and wait for that opportunity to say again, nope, I refuse to be offended. You're not stealing the word out of my heart. I spent two hours feeding the word in and listening to the spirit of the, God, of the living God. And I'm not giving up now. I've come too far to quit. When you submit to God and resist the devil, he will flee. It says so in James, book of James, but James 4, I believe. But it's always submit to God first, not resist the devil first. But when you follow the spiritual law in the way it's written, which is submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee. And that word flee means run and start terror. He hates it when people understand the spiritual laws that govern him and mm -hmm. use them against him instead of him using them against you. Yeah. He absolutely hates it. But that's, it's no loss because he already hates you anyway. So you might as well, he might as well hate you while you're in victory as hate you when you're in defeat because either way he still hates you. Right. Because I'm going to change it. So I think we're gonna we're gonna 
unhook here. And we'll talk about some more enemies of faith as the days progress. Anybody who wants to get a jump on the teaching can study out Mark 4. And I believe it's Matthew 13 that also has the parable of the sword, but Mark 4 has the most detail. And I think it's, I want to say it's Luke, I don't know if it's Luke 8 or Luke 5. Give me a moment. Also talks about the parable of the sower. Yeah, it's um, Luke 8. So those are the three places where it talks about it. But like I said, Mark 4 has the most detail. So until next time, walk by faith, walk in courage, walk in boldness, discern the spirits you're dealing with and deal with them appropriately, and defeat the dark. Merry Christmas, everybody.